Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. It is Tuesday, May the 14th. Welcome into the show. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in a few moments, we have Drew Siders with Hattiesburg Football Club, the Youth Soccer Association. Got a big project. Uh, going on up there in Hattiesburg. You may not have ever heard of Hattiesburg, but you're going to know about it today. So we are excited to bring Drew to uh, to the show today, onto the show to kind of talk about things going on up there in Hattiesburg, otherwise known as Brett Favre Country. Um, it might be the one way that you know the, the city uh, because that is the area in which Brett Favre is from. He played there at Southern Miss, which is in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So, look, it's going to be be a fun chat with Drew coming up in a few moments. Uh, they uh, put in a team first year into the GCPL. And, um, you know, I think uh, they they are, are looking at what else is going around in the GCPL and clubs like Gulf Coast Rangers that came in last year. And, and I see this continuing to expand uh, and build. And so I look forward to getting his thoughts as he's coming into year one. And, and what, what does that look like? How, how are things shaping up for them? So he'll be on uh, here in just a few minutes after the, after the commercial break uh, to talk about that. Um, I wanted to start off the show uh, today uh, looking at, at a story that has come out about Manchester City. And that story has to do with financial fair play. Now, these rules were put in in place uh, back in 2011. It's when it kind of started. And basically, the gist of the rule of financial fair play is that they they were regulations put in to try to prevent wealthy owners from injecting loads and loads of cash in an unsustainable way. This was the stated goal of... Uh, financial fair play and so there there have been it's not a perfect system uh there 
been many accusations that you know clubs are are getting away with uh fine you know financial fair play uh you know getting around the rules working to to try to create advantages that the rule was not intended to provide etc and in all of that kind of uh setup uh manchester city has found themselves in the crosshairs of um, the regulators and the 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 group that is responsible, the committee that is responsible for administering financial fair play, believe that Man City has violated it. And one of the one of the things that have have come out of of, of these football leaks that came out a while back is that Manchester City was funneling cash. Their owners were funneling cash through their sponsorship deals so the sponsor uh would be announced as you know say a you know 50 60 million dollar deal but the sponsor was actually only putting in you know a fraction of that maybe 10 percent, maybe 15 20 percent of that and the rest of the money that was part of an announced sponsorship agreement according to these uh leaked documents alleges that the owners were putting in the rest of the money and trying to use that as a way to get around financial fair play and and as part of this investment into the club that their payroll is they, they've invested over a billion dollars into bringing players into manchester city and so you see all of that going on and 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 manchester city reports are are concerned because what they are trying to do to punish them is to basically remove them from uh, the Champions League for a year. And, uh, you know, that's access to more cash. But also that's the that's the one prize is the championship trophy that they covet the most. And so it would also uh, hurt them in their recruitment ever efforts as well. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that come out of this, but looking at this situation and looking at, at Manchester city and looking at, at what they are trying to do, what they have been working to do to build Manchester city up into a globally recognized brand, a globally competitive club. And, Thinking to what we have here in America, it just it's it's almost like speaking two different languages. Um, you know, when we look at when we look at the American system and we we look at the landscape of American soccer, it is such a mess. It is so disorganized. It is set up for leagues to compete with one another. The Federation has not provided any order. It has not provided consistency in terms of access, standards, um, etc. And and so when we look at the Manchester City story and you see where these regulators are, are, are looking at levying sanctions and coming down and saying this has to be this, this has and we look at US soccer who has that authority under under U.S. law, under under the the uh, authority granted to them by FIFA itself, as well as the U.S. Olympic C- Committee, to step in and say enough is enough. We've got to fix all of this. We've got too many things moving in different directions. Um, there is no will to do the right thing. 
we know what needs to be done. If you talk to, if you sit down and talk to people, even executives, high level leaders in all of these various state associations and soccer organizations and youth organizations, sanctioning bodies, et cetera, that are all under U.S. soccer, if you talk to them about what should happen, you will get a broad consensus in terms of what should happen. But followed up with that broad consensus, what you get is excuses as to why it won't happen or it can't happen. And, and, and what it really comes down to is those involved in U.S. soccer know what, what needs to be done but don't have the will to get it done, period. And I know that sounds harsh, and I know um, it, it sounds like I'm, tr- I'm trying to or, or am beating them down or, or, or all that, and I'm, and I'm really not. What, I, what I'm trying to highlight, though, is we have, we have an incredible opportunity to fix our issues. We have pockets of this country that are proving that they want to take the sport seriously and they want to do the right thing. And there are a lot of well-meaning people who work in different areas within U.S. soccer that want to see the sport grow and govern the right way. But what we've got to do is come together. And we've got to come together in a way where we put the main thing at the top of the list. It becomes the biggest priority in what we do. It becomes, it becomes the, the overriding um, piece of, of any conversation. It, it, is, it is the absolute ab- above all absolutes, and that is to do the right thing. And in the case of U.S. soccer, in a nutshell, when I say the answer is simple, the, the answer is simply this, that U.S. soccer should sanction all players, period. Now, where you go to get programming, where you go to get insurance, et cetera, maybe that gets tweaked or changed uh, or, or, or handled by different organizations. But U.S. soccer, you, you should get a player card from the federation. It should be like a, a, a driver's license. should be standard for everyone. No matter where you live in this country, where you play soccer, you have a U.S. soccer ID card. Period. That's one thing that sh- should get handled and and done very, very easily. That's how it's handled around the world. When you register to play, you are registered with the national governing body, not with some organization the governing body signs off on. That registration, that identification, that ID should come from U.S. soccer. So that's that's one answer that's very simple. Another aspect that is very simple is our leagues should be sanctioned by U.S. soccer from top to bottom by the federation in a hierarchical model. They should be at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 15, 20, etc., all the way down. And it doesn't mean that that the the local leagues and the leagues that are operating within a state territory cannot be administered by the state association 
but the state association should you know should basically be like the state office of the national governing body so if you are in you know the state of tennessee and and you have a state league and you have local leagues the state association is administering those leagues once you promote above that level that league should get sanctioned by u.s soccer not by u.s adult soccer not by u.s youth soccer or u.s club soccer or u triple sa it should be sanctioned by the federation and the federation should sanction these leagues in a tiered model and the and the other piece of this answer that is simple is that well if you have all of these leagues and they are tiered and now we remove league wars and league sanctioning wars what comes next well it's it's fifa compliance in the area of solidarity payments and training compensation as well as promotion and relegation clubs should be moving up through from their local league up to their state league into a regional league based on on field results not how many are coming to your matches not how much money you have in the bank but what you've done on the field that's the way it works in the rest of the world that's the way it should work here in the u.s and unfortunately we don't have that so what comes when you look at the fact that players should have a national id card when you look at the fact that leagues should be sanctioned directly by the federation and not these these other sanctioning bodies empowered by U.S. soccer because it's just created more messes and more problems and more issues. The Federation should be more hands-on, not not more hands-off in these areas. So they should be identifying players, providing that, that universal card for every player in this country. They should be sanctioning the leagues at a level above the state level for the entire country. And then the state should be administering the state leagues and the local leagues underneath the national governing body in compliance with the national governing body. And then those clubs that are playing in these leagues, whether at the regional conference, national level, or within the state league or at a local level, they have a pathway. It is a linear pathway. If you are a club in Nashville, Tennessee, on the east side, and you win your local league and you move up and, and now you're, you're playing in a state league and you win your state league, you know that your next step is to play in this regional league. And then you're going to play in this league above the regional league as you win and move your way up. We saw over the weekend, Sulphur City, this, this story keeps playing out. The class of 92 bought Sulphur City. They're building and growing and rising and building and growing and rising, and they just won promotion yet again, and they are in the football league. They are now in League Two, which is the fourth division of the English Pyramid, and that's all as a result of on-field results. They are building and growing, but they've had to prove it on the field. But when they do, when they win their league, they move up. They go up. And it's not rocket science. It's not hard to figure out that if you set a pathway, if you tell a, a club that you can make it to the highest level of this game, but you have to do it on the field, it, it's not rocket science to, to realize or understand what happens next. And what happens next is that the interest in the game grows. 
the the level of investment increases the passion level rises why because now communities across this country have clarity there there is now clarity in the market there is is now a clear pathway in the market right now if you are in boise idaho you have no chance at major league soccer anytime soon you're never going to get a shot but you could if the federation was run the right way if they handled doing their job the way they are supposed to the answer is simple the will to do it is what is hard and 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 things have gotten put in place over a course of decades and people are are un, are afraid to undo it they are afraid to change it they are afraid to alter it there are a lot of gravy trains that are in place because of things that have happened and and my comeback to those who say well there's just no way to change it or or people would never go along they would lose their jobs these people are smart they're not going to lose their jobs they may have different jobs they may get a paycheck that has a different name on it than what they get now but they're going to find jobs they're going to work it's changing the system so that the system is properly aligned is not changing the system and putting people out of business it's just a realignment of resources it is it is a realignment of priorities but it it is not a realignment or an elimination of people in their jobs if you are an executive at u.s club soccer and you're running your programming and you're doing your thing and tomorrow you wake up and you find out that u.s soccer actually did their job and did the right thing and changed how things worked how do you think u.s soccer is going to administer all these changes how do you think these things are going to work well they're going to hire so people that might be at u.s club soccer may be working directly for the federation administering these roles and these jobs but now the system is in alignment instead of having u.s club versus u.s youth versus U triple SA or I AYSO instead now we have people that are all working on the same team administering the game of soccer and letting things play out the way they should play out building up and allowing clubs to build up because the system is properly aligned it's not hard to wrap your head around what is hard is to get the will to do it and what it ultimately means is leadership and it means that the federation has to remove conflicts of interest it has to eliminate the influence of one company over the entire country when it comes to soccer and that that conflict is major league soccer and soccer united marketing mls owns soccer united marketing it is a second company of theirs it is owned by the same owner operators of MLS and they have in a they have a disproportionate amount of influence and control over the federation through their their economic ties through their ties in the boardroom and that influence steers decisions away from what's best for American soccer 
what's best for 100% of American soccer and instead has created a system, a, 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 a feudal system that has classes of haves and have-nots, those who have access and those who don't, gatekeepers and those who can't get through the gatekeepers. And we see this play out with coaching licenses, with referees, with clubs, with, with club owners, with players, over and over again, time and time again. To be good enough does not grant you access. You have to, you have to, to, to know the right people. You have to be in, in, in the good graces with the right people. And it's not about your talent. It's not about the quality of your club. It's not about how good you are as a coach. It's about access and the fact that access in this country, in this system, is arbitrary. And it should not be arbitrary. It should be based on merit. In the case of clubs and what league you play in, it should be on sporting merit. Your coaching should be on how good of a coach you are. Your your player uh, your, your playing as a player, your opportunities as a player should be on how good you are. If you're good enough, then you should be old enough. But in America, if you're good enough, you've got to still jump through hurdles just to get a chance. You have to go across states just to get an opportunity. And that's not what this country should be about. Instead, it should be about opportunity. It should be about access it should be about doing things the right way. We know what those things are. They're very simple, but we have to have the will to do them. The ambition will come. It will grow when it is in an environment where it can flourish. So that is, uh, those are my thoughts for today. I, you know, I, I really, I really hope that we, we get to a place where where that becomes what we do and uh i work every day on that i know others like chris kessel and so and so many do the same thing locally where they are nationally on other projects to try to create scenarios where we get to this place where opportunity is accessible to everyone everywhere in this country it's what we need so so desperately so the, uh, the sponsor for today's show is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water, visit, it, visit them at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world, and they are changing lives. They are changing villages, and and their work is incredible. So if, if, if you don't know about them, check them out at charitywater.org. We will be right back with Drew Siders.
bailo. Welcome back to the show. We are pleased to be joined by Drew Siders, the executive director of Hattiesburg Soccer. Drew, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. So... You have been on the job as the executive director of Hattiesburg Soccer for for less than a year. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. About uh, seven, eight months now. So you've had a lot of things going on there in less in in, in those last uh, seven, eight months. You, you you come in, you you start running the club on a day to day basis, and at the same time, you guys are preparing to put a team in the Gulf Coast Premier League um the the regional uh, men's amateur league that that has a footprint from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama and into the panhandle of Florida. Um what has the last last 7 or 8 months been like getting getting on the ground, getting going and and then obviously looking at ahead into launching uh, your first team into the GCPL. Yeah, Danny, I mean it's been it's been kind of crazy to be fair. Um you know, I've spent 10 years in the banking industry, um, run a couple of businesses over the last couple of years. And, you know, if you'd have told me a year ago I'd be in this position, I'd have said you're crazy. But uh, when the when the opportunity presented itself, uh, it was something that I just couldn't turn down. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, when you have an opportunity to influence over a thousand kids, um, to me, it was a no brainer and, and just so excited to, to get in this position. Uh, as a club, uh, Hattiesburg Football Club, we've really been run by volunteers uh, since our existence. So, you know, coming in as one of the first uh, executive directors um, to be able to focus on this full time, um, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to build off the success we've had where, where our volunteers have gotten this club. And, you know, I think this is kind of the way I view it as an entrepreneurial opportunity to take uh, to take our organization and, and see what we can build it into. And, um, you know, like you said, over the course of the first seven, eight months, it's, it's gone by super fast. But uh, one of the first things that uh, Danny Owens, our director of coaching, came to me and was like, listen, you know, this league is, is in our backyard. It's something that, that I've always had an eye on. I think it's something we need to explore. And, you know, I trust him with uh, with his judgment. And we, we dove right into it, started looking at the opportunity. And, and here we are. And, and so excited to get the season started. Uh, we got our first game tomorrow night. And and uh, really excited about what th- this opportunity is going to do for our club and organization and our youth. So, 
So let's talk a bit about your club, and just so that everyone kind of knows who you are, what, what what is the makeup of your club, um, in terms of looking at what you guys do. We we've obviously talked briefly about the fact that you you're launching your first team into the Gulf Coast Premier League. You play your first match tomorrow night, um, and yet you've also got a lot of other things going on in terms of the, the youth component. Uh, a similar story, I, I think, to Gulf Coast Rangers, uh, a fellow club of the, the GCPL, in that you had a lot, they had a lot of you know, youth components, didn't have a first team, launched their men's first team last year into the GCPL. You guys are following up that, uh, that, that same uh, pathway uh, this year with with Hattiesburg. So give us a little bit of, of a breakdown of what is Hattiesburg Football Club? What What is what is uh, the makeup? What's the programming like? What are you offering to the community there in Hattiesburg? Yeah, sure. Uh, so basically, you know, we, we really have kind of created kind of the five pillars of our club. And we start with our recreational league where we have around 800 kids that participate uh, in the fall and spring. Um, we transition from that into our academy program, um, and then from academy, you know, into our selects within our youth. Um, you know, one of the other things that we just when I when I came in, we announced we we rolled our adult league soccer under the the umbrella of our organization, which is exciting, um, just to to really kind of create the soccer community. And then when you look at the, the senior level team bringing on um, the Hattiesburg SC that will participate in the GCPL. Uh, again, I think what what that does is allows the opportunity for you know we'll have several of our our youth players, um, some of the local high school kids that participate. And to me, I think it what it really does is it brings the community together because we'll we'll have uh, players from William Carey University, uh, we'll get players from Jones Junior College, Pearl River, Mississippi College. So you know, to me, part of of coming in this position is where I think one of our biggest strengths is is we are a community. Uh, here in Hattiesburg that if if I think if we can get everybody on board whether it be businesses local businesses you know family friends and uh, start building that culture of soccer um, I mean the sky's the limit for us and although we are somewhat of a smaller market um, I think we're going to come in right out the gate confident and and head coach Barry Farrell who's the men's carry coach that uh, he's going to put a product out the gate that's going to compete at a high level and and not only that I think it's going to you know, present the opportunity for some of our youth kids to come out and watch soccer at a high level and let them see, you know, this is what, this is what you can have down the road if you work hard. And, um, you know, we just never really had that as a club. You know, a lot of our players would leave to go, you know, if they want to play at the next level, a lot of them had the opportunity to get into colleges, but um, you know, what happens after college, you know, they come back to Hattiesburg and now there's an opportunity for, for some of those guys that want to continue their career to come in and plug back into the club and, you know, eventually they have children of their own and they're getting in the club. So for me, it's just, it's that circle of, of you know, continuously trying to pull people into to the uh, to the soccer world and the soccer community here in Hattiesburg. So the city of Hattiesburg is obviously like the second largest city in the country, right behind New York, I think, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> it's Good, it, close, yeah. Right, it's pretty close, right? So... Um, what is the size, you know, for people that are listening out there who, who and, and I mentioned this at the, at the top of the show, uh, the, the, the city of, of Hattiesburg is, for, for a lot of people, is synonymous with Brett Favre, and that's probably how they've heard about 
Southern mm-hmm. Southern Miss and, and Brett Favre and Hattiesburg, they don't know anything about the city. They don't know the, the size of the city. They don't know the makeup of the city. They don't even know where the city is other than it's probably, you know, Missi- somewhere in the south, right? Mississippi. Yeah, okay, where is that? So tell us a little right. bit about Hattiesburg and, and, you know, what is it, you know, what is it about Hattiesburg that you think you guys are able to to look at building something great right there in the city of Hattiesburg? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first things, roughly 100,000 people, you know, uh, in the in the area. You know, one of the biggest things, I think, that, like you said, um, we, got, we got two major universities, um, junior colleges um, have really boomed here in the last several years. So, if you really look at it, it's a place that I've called home my whole entire life and, and passionate about. And I think that's one of the things that you'll find in Hattiesburg is that from a community, uh, you know, central, south central Mississippi, that, um, you know, there's a loyalty factor there to where I think this is exactly what we, we need to build off of when you when you look at it. Now, obviously, uh, living in the deep south, we're, you know, we got to understand that we're competing against other sports and football and baseball in our, our neck of the woods are always going to be king. But I do think that there is a niche here for soccer. And as the sport continues to grow, it's growing, you know, just as fast here. Um, if you look at our organization and the, the participation from youth and, you know, to be able to have an adult soccer league right here in Hattiesburg and now, you know, bringing in the GCPL, um, you know, I think what we have to look at is we tap into our, our local resources. Um, like I said, two major universities, um, University of Southern Mississippi, you know, William Carey and I, women's team just won a national championship. Uh, men's team competed in the finals uh, last year. So, you know, from a soccer, we obviously have a very strong relationship and partnership with William Carey. Um, I've mentioned Danny Owens. He's the women's coach there. William Carey coming off a national championship. Uh, the influence that he has on our club is tremendous. And, and he was really the one that founded our the, the actual Hattiesburg Football Club, the select competitive side of our club. Is build it into what it is now. You, you know, you bring in Barry Farrell, the men's coach, William Carey, the influence that he's going to have through uh, through our GCPL team, um, and just look. You know, these guys are people that that know the soccer community, and and they have you know an outreach that that stretches all across the southeast. And um, you know, you can say, yeah, we're a small market, but uh, I think when you look at the resources that we have here, um, it creates you know an unbelievable foundation for us to build on and. I'm just I'm really excited to see, you know, where we can take the sport of soccer in our community and, um, you know, continue to influence our youth. The, to me, that's the number one goal for me is, you know, is uh, what amazing sport, team sport, uh, to, to help kids learn the leadership skills they need in life. And hopefully through this sport, we'll make them better people down the road. So, Well, and if you look at the city of Hattiesburg, where it is on a map, uh, it is it is right smack dab in between new orleans and in birmingham you have jackson to the north um you have mobile to the southeast it's it's you know right there in a in a pocket uh, in between those areas where you you could legitimately build something but also not be isolated from competition so you could get to birmingham you can get to new orleans you can get to the gulf coast of mississippi the panhandle of florida mobile with without you know um being too far away from those other areas and so it, it does make natural sense in terms of looking at a map 
and understanding where Hattiesburg is on that map to see, you know, what's possible even outside of just, you know, the 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 immediate area of, of Hattiesburg. If you look at the global game, a place like Ibar in Spain, playing in the first division and thriving in Spain, I mean, that city you know, is, is a, is a city of like 35,000 people. I mean, you guys are three, four times that size. They're playing at the top level of La, of La Liga, the, the highest league in Spain. So it, to me, when I look at America, it's why I have so much faith and hope and optimism about our, our potential, because I, I believe that a Hattiesburg could do incredible things in an open system of, of, of connected leagues. And, and you guys are perfectly positioned geographically, even where you are right now in the, in the GCPL to attract talent, to put a good product on the field, but also have access to other quality competitive teams that helps you build what you're trying to build locally. Um, you know, there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So as you, as you look at, the landscape of youth soccer in Mississippi and, and you know, the, the basically the pathway for a, a player in Mississippi, what does that look like? What, what does that look like for your kids in your area? What do they have access to there in Hattiesburg? Yeah, I'll kind of hit on a couple of your points there. You know, you know when you talk about, the geography of it all. I mean, our nickname is the Hub City, and and I think that's one of our biggest strengths is where we're located. Um, you know, hour and a half radius to some of some large metro areas um, that have probably a little bit more resources, but allows us to uh, to get out and compete against some some larger clubs and and uh, you know test test our abilities and and let some of our kids at the youth level know, look, you can compete against you know some of the largest clubs in the area, and we're having success and. Uh, you know, you build off that success, and and word of mouth uh, will spread. And we're you know, we're getting more and more kids that are that are moving from football and other sports into soccer. And uh, you know, athletically, um, I think once they get into the sport and they enjoy it and understand it, uh, you know, it's going to continue to build off of that. So, um, you know, and I think as you look into the GCPL from a from a business model, um, you know, you think of, of the success of what the SEC has done and. I think a big part of that is that, you know, the tight geographical um, proximity of each one of these schools and universities. So if you look at the Gulf Coast Premier League, um, you know, right out the gate, we play Port City. You know, I think this is going to eventually, if not right out the gate, turn into a, a natural rival. But, you know, we're, we're 60 miles. So I anticipate a good group of uh, fans coming up from Port City tomorrow night to come watch. And, and when we return the trip down there, you know, we're, we're 60 miles. We can We can take – we can take 50, 100 people down there and go watch a game, and uh, and when you do that, you you build rivalries, and the rivalries will uh, will will make the environment of the of the competition that much better. And and as people come out and enjoy it and realize, you know, it's a fast-paced sport, um, you know, I just think that that allows for a business model to have success. So, um, you know, in our Eastern Division, we we got uh, the two Mobile clubs, you know, Pensacola. You know, really the only outreach of one Tallahassee will be a little bit of a haul for a fan base, but everyone else, you know, they're they're within driving range, and I think that's something that I continue to promote within our fan base and and our youth, and uh, and you know, look, we we can tap immediately right into over a thousand kids and families to come out and support us. So you know, it doesn't, 
doesn't take much to realize the opportunity there within our own club to uh, create a natural fan base right out the gate that that play and participate in the sport that will come out and follow us and watch and uh, I just think man excited to see you know what the what the turnout will be like tomorrow and then as those people experience uh, the high level of soccer then I think word of mouth spread and we we got our next home game immediately following that Saturday and we'll just continue to build over that throughout the course of the summer in this first year and uh, what, what an amazing opportunity so so talk a little bit about that, about the fact that you do have a thousand kids and their families directly connected to your club. We had on the show yesterday, Gerardo Flores, the director of coaching and, and the, the first team coach for the women's team, the late, the Rangers ladies uh, of, of the you know Gulf Coast Rangers football club yesterday. And he was talking uh, about, being a generational club and, and, and having that built-in fan base as well. What, what are you seeing with that? What, what are you experiencing as you are launching a first team, a senior team for the club? What are you seeing happen in terms of that built-in fan base and engagement with your parents and your, your kids as you look ahead to tomorrow night and into this first GCPL season? Yeah, I think I think that was a you know a point in all of this. You obviously got a lot of questions. You know, what what is this? What are we participating in? And um, so you know, just educating our members and letting them know what it is. And you know, as the word of mouth has spread, as we promoted the, the upcoming season, um, you know, I'm excited to really see see the turnout because I think it's going to be great. And and again, I hit on I hit it on earlier that I think people come out, word of mouth will spread very quickly. Um, but obviously that. Was, been my focus is within our own internal club letting them know educating them on what this league is all about the opportunity it presents to our youth um, as we meet with some of our younger teams as we're having trials right now you know you, you let the parents know look uh, come out and see you know, your kid your, your boy in, in five six seven years is going to have this opportunity to play at this level come out experience it take it all in and, and uh, we'll build off that you know, one of the other biggest things to me is it just gives me, you know, in our club and organization, another opportunity from a platform standpoint. You know, a big thing with us is reaching out to our local business community um, for sponsorships. And, you know, um, one of our main sponsors for GCPL is, is Raising Canes. And not only do they support us there, but they've been supporting our entire club, our tournaments, our youth. And, you know, that's what it's all about, you know, and, and it's crazy. Um, really an awesome testimonial to all this is, uh, we got uh, the general store manager there at Raising Canes, Will, unbelievable guy, so much support for our organization. And, you know, you got him now calling me saying, you know, I want to be a part of this organization. How do, you know, Can I get on your board? What can I do to be a, a part of this? And uh, to me, that, that fires me up uh, just about as much as anything does because that shows you that we do have the local support from our local businesses. And, and uh, you know, you, you create a platform, you know, so now a sponsor can have access to not only – our rec and select it, it now offers a whole nother opportunity to reach out to the community through our organization. And the, the, the more we build off of that, the stronger we're going to become as a club. And, and uh, it's really exciting to just see the local community buy into it. And, uh, and I think it'll only grow from here. So. The level of play there in, in Hattiesburg, youth side as well as with the colleges how would you compare that to surrounding areas like a birmingham or a jackson or a new orleans what, what would you say the level locally is for your college age players as well as your youth players how would as an evaluation just kind of doing some 
self-evaluations uh, here. What, what would you think or compare the level to be uh, for Hattiesburg versus these other surrounding areas? Man, I think, uh, you know, for me coming into this, um, that, that's really one of the things that I really wanted to, to be honest and, and what the expectations are as a club. But, look, I, I don't think any of our teams will back down from anybody. Uh, we had our U14 boys. Uh, they went out, won the GSBL, went to Denver last year, competed, made the semifinals, lost out to a club out in San Jose. Um, so, right there, that, that shows the rest of our teams and our, and, and our youth and our community. Look, just because we're from Hattiesburg doesn't mean that we can't compete with some of the largest clubs in the country. Um, you know, we, we participate in a couple of those leagues, you know, GSBL, uh, Mid-South through, through uh, USU Soccer. You know, our, our clubs are competing against uh, Tennessee Soccer Clubs. We're competing against the Memphis Lobos. Um, we have a, a, an affiliation with VUSA, Birmingham United Soccer. Um, so if you look at a player pathway, look, you know, if you get in on a competitive side, we're going to play against uh, some high-level competition. We're going to compete with them. Uh, you know, every age group obviously is a little different from age to age. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I expect and I think all of our coaches expect to compete at a high level anytime we take the field. And, um, you know, and you transition from that and you, and you look at some of our, our uh, kids that are getting ready for college. We've had several kids. Um, especially on the girls' side, uh, highlight real quick. You know, we've got got a couple of girls playing at Ole Miss. Um, got got uh, one that's that's going to be leading into Ole Miss. Another one that just recently committed. We got one Detroit. I'm going to be leaving off people. I'll start doing this, but you know, within our with our community colleges, we had our college signing night. We had over uh, 20 plus kids that signed collegiate scholarships. So we're placing kids over the last uh, I think last five years. It's it's well over 50 kids that we placed in, in colleges. So. Yeah, look, our players expect to compete at a high level. And, you know, I think, again, one of the biggest resources we got is within our coaches. I'll put our coaches up against anybody in the southeast, and I truly believe that. And if you look at their network and their outreach, um, you know, Danny Owens, you know, just in the soccer community, the windows and opportunities that he can open up for our players um, is tremendous, you know. And so right there with William Carey winning the national championship at NIA level to uh, having the junior colleges in our back door, uh, Division One soccer all around us on the women's side. Um, look, there's endless opportunities. If, if soccer is a sport that you you really want to play at the next level, I think we we create the player pathway as well as any club in the southeast. So in the in the city of Hattiesburg, you you have basically access to these families. You have access to these businesses. You have access to uh, other organizations, and you're able to kind of bring this together into kind of one big network that goes just it goes beyond just you know a kid playing in a rec league it, it it expands into the entire community what what are the community efforts how do you guys do community outreach when you're working on programming when you're working on a project uh like let's say launching the gcpl team for the the senior team for the club what is the community outreach process like for you guys in terms of taking your ideas, taking your programming, taking uh, what you're offering in getting that into the community so that they, number one, learn about it, but, but number two, and, and more importantly, get engaged with that, that initiative or that endeavor? Yeah, I mean, I really think it's just a, it's a grassroots effort, you know. Um, you know, immediately right when I came in, um, you know, I think one of the strengths that I let our board of directors understand is, look, you know, uh, I've been in this community my entire life, spent 
10 years in the banking industry. I have a business background. You know, we're really going to look at this from a business model and, um, you know, and what that means is really, you know, you've got to get out there. Part of it is selling. And uh, what I, what this organization allows me to do is I can go into a local business and say, listen, you know, here, here's what we have going on over here. We have access to over a thousand families. And, you know, I would say we have one of the more powerful organizations in our area. And, and you have to, you really have to just, you have to sell that and, and you got to get the local businesses to understand, you know, how great of a platform we do have for them to reach out to the community and, and, you know, let them know uh, if you're a local business, you could come in here and support our youth, you know, support our club and organization. And, and this is what we can give back. You know, we can give you this much exposure. You know, we can we can help, you know, build your business along with ours. And let's let's form a partnership to where we both succeed and we both uh, we both work on this together as one. And, uh, you know, one of the first things we did, we created a hashtag. We are one. And to me, I think that that hits perfect in the sense of just not only our soccer community, but the Hattiesburg community. And, and um, you know, if we can all get pulling in the right direction, um, again, I think the sky's the limit. Um, you know, and that's that's something that as an organization, you know, I think that's where as a club we realized, you know, bringing in somebody full-time, fully devoted to our club and organization, you know, those are things that you just can't really get when you're a volunteer-led organization because, you know, everybody's got their full-time careers that they're focusing on. And, you know, you bring me in and, and hopefully, you, you know, you let me loose into the into the community and, and tap into my resources. And um, it's a lot larger than me and I. It's, it's our whole it's our whole family, our whole organization, you know, um, you know, and, I, and I'm not scared to reach out and ask for help. And um, we have, you know, a lot of committees that have been formed and a lot of people and center of influences within Hattiesburg that, that I've tapped into, hopefully, that uh, will spread the web and educate our community on, on what we're building over here. And hopefully they jump on board with us and, and we're already seeing that and having success. And, you know, I think you just got to keep building it. It's going to take time, obviously, but uh, the more we get on, you know, um, actionable t- will take place and uh, I think we'll just continue to build off of that. So with with your your senior team that that launches tomorrow night, first match tomorrow with Port City, the the reigning GCPL champions. So uh you could uh send a, a thank you note to Jonathan Rednauer and the crew at <laughs> the league office for having you open up not just your season but your your first season in the GCPL with the reigning champions. Um, and I, I'm sure he will appreciate that thank you note that you send to him. Um, <laughs> where are you guys going to be playing your matches there in Hattiesburg? Yeah, so, you know, I think this kind of hits back. We, we obviously would love, as we continue to build off of our, our home park, Tatum Park, we, we want to build a championship field. You know, that's going to take some time, and I think this getting in this league will help us maybe hopefully expedite that. But all of our first – this first year we'll play all of our matches at William Carey University, which is probably one of the nicest soccer – uh, facilities uh, in the southeast so great great uh, playing surface great uh, great part to play at and look yeah you know I think this goes back I don't think Jonathan I think they knew exactly what they were doing um, a lot of our you know like I said Barry Farrell's going to be our, our our coach for our team he's a men's coach at Cary he's got several of his Cary players that are on the on the Port City team and um, man like I said I think it's going to be a natural rivalry out the gate I think uh, I'm, I'm confident we're going to put out <laughs> a very good product and and i expect fully that we're going to come in and compete right right out the gate with port city and i think we'll give them all they want and hopefully we come out with a win so well look i i wish you good luck on that um and and good luck on the season i i'm 
I am really happy to see that clubs around the country are starting to one by one uh, become generational clubs. There, the, there are so many things that you've touched on today, Gerardo touched on yesterday, that that are benefits to being a generational club, and it and it just it naturally uh, produces exponential results just because of the fact that you do have built-in fan base you have built-in networks uh etc and and so to see you guys as a youth organization recognize hey let's let's bring our adult league into what we're doing but let's also launch a senior team a first team into the gcpl as well and and really become a a generational club from top to bottom with a first team and then all of these this other programming available uh, i hope provides other clubs around the country with inspiration and a roadmap to what is possible and why it in my view is necessary in order to help build the soccer culture in this country for too long we have we have segmented our soccer you know we have put adults over here kids over here you know, the, the really serious, you know, amateur or pro soccer over here. And in doing so, we, we, have, we have really kind of robbed American soccer of its soul. Uh, American soccer is at its best when, when you see gen- generational transference from grandfather to grandson, parent to son, kids to their friends, and you see all of this kind of snowball and build in, in, in one direction. Uh, you know, when you grow up in a, in a city in Europe, you, you're, you're probably not able to escape your local club in, in terms of fandom, uh, support, maybe even trying to play as, as a, as a youngster. And, and that generational transference is a natural byproduct of the system and, 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 part of that system is the fact that the club is generational. And so seeing that develop in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, if you guys are able to figure this thing out and, and create a, a quality product, a quality uh, squad and team and bring in a quality coach with, you know, playing in a, in a, in a quality stadium there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and this is no slight on Hattiesburg, but to say that if you guys can pull it off there, it, it means that it can be pulled off, you know, anywhere because they're, they're the same thing, the same type of in, environment uh, being pulled off with Gulf Coast Rangers outside of Mobile. You have that same same thought process building. So as more clubs around the country take these steps, my point is, you don't have to think, oh, gosh, if I'm not New York City or Los Angeles or Dallas or Chicago or Atlanta, I can't build something great. I can't build something big. I can't build something uh, of excellence or high quality. That That's simply not true. And you guys are, are proving that uh, right there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just like the Gulf Coast Rangers are proving that outside of Mobile, Alabama. And, and I hope that other clubs take inspiration from you guys as you as you build out um, your club and build in your programming, reach out to your community, 
and and you know take these first steps with your senior team starting tomorrow night with with Port City. Um, you know, good luck in that match, and and uh, good luck in the GCPL season uh, as you guys uh, launch your senior team and continue to build uh, the club itself from top to bottom. So thanks for uh, for coming on the show and and. And, and telling and sharing with all of us uh, what's going on in, in Hattiesburg. Well, Danielle, I really appreciate your time and bringing me on and I uh, hope you continue to do what you do. So uh, you're doing a great thing for the sport of soccer in America and uh, look forward to continuing to follow you. So thank you for your time. Thank you. That is, uh, that is Drew Siders and he is the executive director of, of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, um, they're the executive director of Hattiesburg Soccer in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and uh, the Hattiesburg Football Club. Their first team, their senior team, launches tomorrow night. It was supposed to be this past weekend, but I think due to weather, it got moved. Uh, if, if I'm if I recall correctly, and uh, they 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 are going to play the the league, the reigning league champions who who have a, a solid team. They're they're coming back for more. Uh, Luke and, and all the guys there at, at Port City are going to come ready to play, and, and it's going to be uh, a good match. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing what, what comes as a result of that tomorrow night. Um, and, you know, look, the, this pathway that we were talking about earlier in the show and this pathway that you're hearing with Hattiesburg it is a pathway that we need all of our clubs around this country to be on one consolidated pathway you, you know you play you build you grow if you don't do well you go down you recover you rebuild and you and you work your way back up but it's all based on sporting merit and that sporting merit is is uh on the field it's proven on the field but it takes all of this off the field work some of the work that drew was describing to build a quality product, connecting with businesses in your community, connecting with organizations, building networks, reaching out to your your fan base. And in the case of a generational club, you have a head start. You know, if you have a thousand kids in your club and you get a thousand kids to come to your game, if you can figure that out, if you can, if you're a generational club and you can figure out how to get a thousand kids coming to your game who are already in your club you're going to see two three four thousand people at your matches and that's why uh it it matters that's why it's so important uh to be a generational club that there is such a tremendous advantage that that hattiesburg and the gulf coast rangers football club for example in the gcpl it's an advantage that they have compared to other clubs in the area in that they are able to to tap into a built-in fan base and do those things um and and if you figure out that recipe on how to get your kids to your games you have a leg up you have a head start and you're able to build momentum faster you can build a network faster it can go deeper it can reach beyond what what you thought you could do on your own or with just a few guys or, or a few people or, or a few committees, you, you can really leverage and have exponential growth because of having this built-in network of being a generational club. So kudos to, to Hattiesburg and, and, and the work that they are doing. Um, I'm excited to see uh, yet another generational club come into the GCPL 
and the, the future is bright for this league. They keep building, and they're raising the standards, and they're trying to help others around the country do the same. If, if you have not got in touch with Jonathan Rednauer and the guys at the GCPL, if you're in another part of this country, you should do it and talk to them and just, you know, have a conversation and see what you can do in your area to build off what they're doing here because they are growing the game. They are, they are actually changing the game in a way – that I have never seen in this country, uh, in this part of the country, um, in terms of, of, of what they're doing now and what they're hoping to do in the future. So reach out to the GCPL. Uh, it, it, it would be worth your time. So thanks for joining the show. Thanks to Drew for coming on the show today. Tomorrow we are going to leave the GCPL for a day. Um, this is a GCPL heavy week. Tomorrow, we have James Myers coming on. We're going to be talking about ballers. We're going to be talking about world-class players and development and what it means to be an incredible player. And I'm going to ask him at the very top uh, about uh, what it's like to get nutmegged. Um, and he, he, he will know what that is about. And uh, as, as will um, Jack, who, nut, who nutmegged him. Uh, and so uh, ask him what that's like and, and, and what that means if you're actually on a court in South London and that happens. So, um, look, tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a fascinating conversation and it's going to be real. So uh, I, it, it's it, not going to pull any punches here. We're going to have a great chat about ballers, culture, all of that. So tune in tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern. You can watch live at DanielWertman.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.